0: Live from Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the Orlando Magic HQ podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Orlando Magic HQ podcast brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We host Al, myself, Anthony. Today is Friday, July 21st, and we are done with the NBA Summer League. We are done with what might be the biggest trade of the season that we've done. We don't know yet. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, And we are completely done with all the madness, man. So not a whole lot to talk about in today's episode, but we still managed to fill the, the podcast up. Uh, We ended up taking some mailbag questions from our listeners, so we're going to be going over that. Um, But before we get into it, I do want to touch base on the NBA Summer League. The Magic go absolutely winless, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Zero and five, was that what you were expecting? Summer League, (laughs) zero and five.
1: Not one bit. I think we a lot of us on Twitter were like, you know, hey, this is the year that we go for a championship in Summer League, and we're going to go the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think after game one or two, you could tell that this roster was really, really flawed. Like outside of our guys, you know, uh, Jed Howard, uh, Black, uh, that was about it, to be honest with you. There wasn't really much talent to, to say that we could be looking forward to watching or that could compete with other teams. But like my biggest weakness, honestly, for the team was not having a big guy. I know we had Kai Soto out there, but he never really saw the court until the last couple of games. But we, we're just getting out-rebounded every single game, and that ended up costing us games. Um, so it really wasn't fun, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it was cool to watch Anthony Black and Jed Howard do their thing. But other than that, not really fun summer league, in my opinion. How about you? Were you excited about what you saw? What were your thoughts on it?
0: I mean, I feel like it was very similar to last season in regards to, you know, we only got a small glimpse of Paolo Bancaro last season. We only got a small glimpse of, you know, Jet Howard, Anthony Black this season, which kind of makes sense. You get acclimated um, by just getting a couple games in, get your feet wet a little bit um, to transition into the NBA game. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much it. Like, we had one one close game that that went into overtime that that was kind of fun, and then you know the last two games were absolutely horrendous and and it was it was a tough it was tough to watch, especially when you don't have a horse in the race where you had that one guy that you kind of ruined for, you know that we we traded Caleb Houston as as a vet just play a couple games and we'll we'll keep you out. We treated you know Kevon Harris as a vet, you know we'll play you a couple games, keep you out. Same with Anthony Black and Jay Howard. So towards the end of it, you really didn't have you know, your guy, the, the only people that are really watching these games are, you know, really big basketball fanatics. So you got to be a hoop watcher, um, to, to really, you know, sit down and, and, and watch these games because one, they weren't, they weren't fun games to watch. And two, you know, you really don't know if, you know, these players are really going to have a lasting impact, you know, with, with your team. Yeah. They may be wearing Orlando magic across their chest, but, you know, are these are these players at the Magic are really going to invest? You know, from a two way standpoint, there was a lot of hype um, in wanting to see, um, you know, Kai um, Kai Soto in there, and we finally got a chance to see him, and then he eventually got hurt, and you know, it wasn't wasn't necessarily the the best showing, even though the limited amount of time that he did play, you know, he was able to at least kind of show his presence from you know a blocking standpoint to. To a couple quick scores, like things of that nature. So a lot of people were hyped. The fan base from the Philippines—they were really hyped to see him play, finally. But um, other than that, I'm I'm kind of glad that the NBA Summer League is completely over. That's just one less tick mark that we can kind of check off and and go on to the to the next the next stint. Um, I would agree with you that it was tough to watch in regards to not having a a, a real big man. And you know, I would love to see that that type of dan, uh, dynamic with you know Anthony Black, who high IQ playmaker. You want to be able to see that dynamic out there, but you know it's it's it is what it is. We wanted the magic, right? Because we had talked about it early on. We wanted the magic to kind of set the tone from summer league, like go out there and and win the summer league championship, go five and zero, and kind of go that way. But it's not not the way that kind of worked out, and it is what it is. I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah. You know what's funny, though? I, I feel like we still have two two way roster spots available. Um, we need, a. I feel like we need another big guy in the roster just because if Wendell gets hurt, you're basically relying on Goga and Mo Wagner as your bigs right now. Um, so I was, I was kind of hoping they would have a couple of big guys that they could look at and say, Hey, they could be two way players that we could sign and, and potentially be in the rotation if one of those guys gets hurt. Um, so unfortunately that didn't happen. I don't consider really DJ Wilson, like a guy that has an impact on the team. That's going to be, you know, part of the roster. You never know. Um, but in my opinion, that was kind of a a letdown for me. That's a a position of weakness for us. It would have been cool to see us go after some big guys that, um, had a chance at least to make the roster.
0: Yeah. And he was a player that, um, people were kind of watching, um, talking about as if he, you know, there was, there was a real possibility for that two way spot, Um, and it it was a little disappointing, you know, I was, I was kind of hoping a little bit more, but, uh, again, it, it is what it is. These guys had the opportunity to play, to show out. And even if they don't get picked up by the magic, you know, this is one of those things where other teams are watching, um, and looking for opportunity to kind of fill their, their two way spots. You know, it's very similar to what happened with Kevon Harris, Kevon Harris, when we picked him up, you know, he was playing summer league for, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that's, that's where, you know, he caught our eye and, and, you know, how we were able to fill that spot. So who knows what the magic are going to end up doing with, with the remaining two spots. Um, If I am being honest, you know, not, not throwing names out there, but just kind of throwing what I want to see. um, I agree with you. I would love for us to be able to add another big man um, with that two way to, you know, someone that we can implement, like for, for example, Kevon Harris. We know that he's a guy that we can add if if the Magic go through any type of injury, which that's not going to happen. The Magic are going to be completely flawless, and, and <laughs> we're not going to deal with no injury this season. I feel it in my gut. But if something were to happen, and we know that we can implement Kevon Harris, and and I'm okay with that. I love him as a player, but I I do would like to see the Magic at least use one of those spots on on the de- on the development players, someone that you know they 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 consider a project. The team is already as young as as can be, but we don't we don't need, you know, to throw two way veterans in there. I would love for them to to play in the seed and and kind of at least have, you know, a player that they can look at, um, two, three, four, five years down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think about the magic one one. Again, the center position, we really don't have like an athletic dude that can just block shots and just you know catch alley oops, as simple as that. Try to find someone in the. And, you know, in the Summer League roster out there, the fit style mold that can be, you know, an athletic big that can come in in the event of Mo Wagner, whoever it is, gets hurt. You got to play 10 minutes a night that can fill that role and at least block some shots, catch, catch some alley-oops from the plethora of point guards that we have. Um, that's all you have to do is run up and down the court, block shots and catch alley-oops. As long as you do that, you should be able to get on the court.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, again, Happy from what I saw from Anthony Black and, and Jet Howard and you know Kevon Harris looked like an NBA stud out there in Summer League had no business playing out there. Um, I will I will say that there was a lot of talks about Cam Whitmore as a player that you know fell down um, the NBA draft and somebody that you know we had talked about as as someone that we wanted that we wanted the Magic to draft and he ended up winning the Summer League MVP um, had a really really great showing. When you see stuff like that, does it bother you? Does it bother you to see a player like Cam Whitmore that the Magic had a chance to get after? You know, turn out to be, at the very least, because we know Summer League is Summer League. You know, it really doesn't mean anything. But from an early impression, you know, does it bother you that the Magic may have missed out?
1: I'm not going to lie. It kind of does. The Magic are known to be... Gamblers, so they take gambles on on, on guys like Chumau Kiki, who had a torn ACL. And they're like, hey, we can bring you to our system, allow you to to get healthy, and we believe in your talent. Um, so I don't know if the Cam Whitmore situation was more than just the knee concerns. And it was more of an interview situation where he didn't perform well in the interview on top of the injury concerns. Um, but I got to say, man, he looked like he did in college. He was attacking the rim. He was hitting threes. He was playing really, really well. Um, As of right now, one of the biggest steals, in my opinion, in the draft. I mean, from a top five pick to dropping to 20. um, The sucky part is we had a chance to get him at six. We got a chance to get him at 11. We didn't. Um, So we'll see. Who's to know how he's going to pan out? But for right now, because of all the hype that he had coming in and so many Magic fans on Twitter wanted him. It's kind of hard to see him win the MVP in Summer League. Again, doesn't mean anything, but we wanted him. It's kind of like Grady Dick. Like He may turn out to be a way worse player than Jed Howard, but in the moment, because he was on the board for us and we all wanted him so bad, it, it stinks a little bit. But down the road, we might say, oh, thank God we didn't. Um, so for now, it does sting. but I think at the end of the day, it's all going to work out.
0: Yeah, that's that's the great thing about Summer League is that it allows for your feelings to kind of get balanced a little bit. I love the Je- I love Jet Howard. I love Anthony Black. I instantly fell in love with them just because one they're on a roster and then two I really like what they were able to bring you if you really sit back and, and kind of look at the way they played and, and how they've been integrated so far. I think they're perfect fits next to Franz Wagner and, and Paolo Banchero. If you had a player like Cam Whitmore, Cam Whitmore demands the ball a lot more. You're going to take that away from Franz. You're going to take that away from Paolo. It doesn't make sense. So it makes sense that we pass on on a player like Cam Whitmore. So I'm not upset about it. It is what it is. Uh, it, it the more I look at Houston Rockets and kind of their roster, it you know, it's I'm still a little confused to what what it is that that they're doing out there, but. You know, I'm, I'm curious from from a, a basketball fan perspective. I'm curious to see how kind of things play out over there.
1: I feel bad because I, I feel like they have some dudes that I've wanted, right? So Jalen Green, uh, they had Jabari Smith, they have Ken Whitmore, all guys known. It sounds to like be you're a to... Rockets
0: fan. That's what it sounds it like. seems
1: that way. It seems that way. I guess their GM has very similar uh, taste to, to my you, taste.
0: You and the Rockets GM, man, you guys are like two peas in a pot.
1: But it's funny because I feel like they're doing a poor job developing those guys. Like, the, they added Forever and Fleet. He needs the ball in his hands. Jalen Green needs the ball in his hands. Jabari to be – I mean, you look Jabari balled out in some league, right? So what he does did. it show you? He needs the ball in his hands. Cam Whitmore needs the ball in his hands. So it's like they're building a weird roster with dudes that can pull the put the ball in the hoop, but they need the ball in their hands. So I, I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, very talented young players. I just don't think the system is going to work out. Let's see what Udoka does, the new, the new coach. I think he's, he can maybe figure it out. Uh, but up until last year, it looked a little bit rough out there. Like they were just playing individual basketball. It wasn't really like, hey, we're trying to win and get better. It was just I'm getting my 20 and calling it a night.
0: Yeah, not to mention there, they're bringing in Fred Van Vliet, paid him a crazy, crazy contract. So yep. uh, better than better than than us. Now. The Magic ended up making a little bit of news. The Magic ended up making a trade, a trade that happened randomly. The Magic traded three second-round picks to the Suns in exchange for a 2026 first-round pick swap. Phoenix will get the following second-round picks. Denver's 2024, 2026 least favorable of Detroit, Orlando, or Milwaukee, and 2028 Boston. Um if 46 and sixty, now Phoenix already owns that pick swap with Washington in 2026. So an, an example that they kind of threw out there, because a lot of people were asking and shout out to Bobby Marks for kind of simplifying this for us. But an example is if the uh, Washington wizards has the 10 pick Phoenix has the 20 Orlando has 25. The magic will now have the 20th pick in the draft and Phoenix will get 25th. The wizards will stay at 10. And across the seven NBA drafts from 2024 to 2030, Orlando has eight first round picks and 12 second rounders. So when you kind of think about it, um, what are your initial thoughts on, on that draft or, excuse me, on that trade? Are you for it? What do you think it means? Um, and why do you think the magic made that trade?
1: It's an interesting move. Um, first of all, Major props to Anthony Parker, who we just talked about last week as a new GM of the magic for actually using our second round picks. Right. For for years, we've just been trading it for cash. That's kind of what that's been our MO or a really down the road, a second round pick. Um, So he actually put them to use. He said, hey, here's three of them that I have. I'll take a first round pick for it. And that's kind of what we got out of it. Um, by 2026, I don't expect Phoenix to be really good. KD is going to be 39. I think Beal is going to be 34, 35. Um, so the odds of Phoenix being a, a solid team by them are a little slim. The Wizards are just the Wizards. They're never better than eighth, ninth seed, if that. So some good potential for this to be maybe a top 20 pick. I'll take that. Um, why the Magic did it? Uh, it's kind of just, like I think, collecting assets, man. I think they know that eventually they're going to have to consolidate this roster a little bit. And a first-round pick is always more valuable than a few second-round picks. So I think if they say, hey, I'm going to package a few young guys with a few picks for X player, it looks better when you say, we'll give you a first-round pick in 2026. than it does, I'm going to give you three second-round picks. Um, I don't think you miss anything for this season. I think this season the roster is set, if you ask me, unless something crazy changes between now and October. Um, I think we're running with this. But at the deadline, next offseason, it may be useful.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with the move. I thought it was exciting. Uh, <clears throat> um, you know, Anthony Parker for this to be the the first you know move under his his regime, I thought was pretty pretty neat, pretty creative. Not something that you see a whole lot of, and you know, the second round picks that the Magic are are prone to not utilize. So, exciting. Good. We're betting on ourselves. We're pretty much saying that. You know, during that time period, where we're going to be better than the Phoenix Suns, and you know, at that at that point, you're going to have a a young vet, Pablo Bancaro, Carroll, a young vet, Franz Wagner, and you know, if you're able to add another first round talent to it, to be able to better the roster later on, you know, amazing. That's that's a bonus, and that's better for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you think about this. So we have our pick next next offseason, 2024. Um, then we have two in 2025. Two in 2026. So again, I don't think we're going we're to use those picks just because we have such a young roster right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to put them to use. Uh We are not definitely going to draft five first-round picks over the next three years. It's just there's no room for them in the roster. So again, we keep talking about the day coming of the Magic having to make some tough decisions and finally going after maybe some some big names that can help us win. Be on the lookout. This is all just collecting more and more assets to make that move.
0: Absolutely. Now we're going to jump into our mailbag where we went on social media and pretty much asked what questions you guys have for us to to be able to discuss here on the show. So this first one is coming from Instagram, and I'm so sorry if I don't pronounce this correctly, but it's Tim Geist, 13. You think I said that right? I think you said it right. Would you have said it the same way? Tim Geese, Geist, Geist, 13? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe one of those. Tim, guys, thirteen. If all players are healthy, what is your ideal rotation?
1: I am gonna let you go first. What do you think?
0: Yeah, so the the important thing to remember is that the reality is twelve players aren't going to be consistently playing. Eventually, if the Magic are serious about making the playoffs, we're we're going to have to limit that down. You know, normally we we see sets of you know eight, nine man rotation, maybe a ten. Um, but I, ideally, you want there to be a spot um for jet howard and anthony black the way that the rotation is right now doesn't make it look realistic that that's going to be the case like you you would imagine that gary harris a hundred percent is going to be able to provide uh, the ability to stretch the floor and that veteran presence that we need um in order for us to be successful jalen Suggs, he just brings a defensive perspective that you know not a lot of players on our roster are able to do in the way that he is able to bring in Cole Anthony, the same thing. So, um, you know, from from a rotational standpoint, you know, I, I see Anthony Black. I see Jay Howard as being players that they're going to be versatile. They're, you, you're not going to automatically assume that Anthony Black is only going to play the point guard. You're not going to automatically assume that Jay Howard is is only going to be at you know the three spot, the two spot. You're going to be able to move them around. That's the whole reason why the Magic go after versatility. I think that the starting lineup is where, we're, where we first got to address because we really don't know the direction of how the Magic are, are going to go after, right? Right. People are are assuming it's going to be Jalen Suggs just because towards the end of the season, you know, he he leveled up a little bit like we really like what he saw, what we saw defensively, of course, but offensively, it looked like he was starting to get it together. But again, Gary Harris just has his way of being able to balance things out with him being a vet. Um, and he doesn't have to be a player that he's playing, you know, 30 minutes, you know, on 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 a game. So he he can really split that with Jalen Suggs. So I'm curious to see kind of how that that plays out. Um and I and I think that it's gonna be a battle. I think training camp is gonna be a great indicator. I think it's gonna take a little bit for you know Anthony Black and, and Jay Howard to get acclimated to the game, to the NBA game. Um I think that they'll get acclimated a lot quicker than people realize. Um, because they're able to add a lot of value, but um, it's it's hard it's hard to say because Magic have so much talent on this team. It, it really is hard. I I can see a lot of players getting frustrated that there's not enough minutes. Chuma getting frustrated. I can see Cole Anthony getting frustrated. You know, and I I wouldn't blame him. What if what if Anthony Black comes out here and he just eats? You know, what do you what do you do at that point? Because you look at a player like Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony is, he's outspoken. He's the the heart of the team. Like you don't want a player like that to be at the end of your, at the end of the bench. I'm not predicting that, but these are certain turmoils that I can kind of foresee happening if it ended up being that way.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I think pretty straightforward. The starting lineup to me, if sucks is healthy if sucks shows in training camp that his shot is what it looked like towards the end of last season um faults sucks franz paulo and wendell that's a starting lineup to me uh day one the bench though is where it gets a little bit funky to me i think in my opinion what i would like to see game one of of the new season i'm actually going to play black at the point guard position so I want yep. him to have the ball in his hands. I want him to be the one that creates offense for others. I want to see Cole Anthony a little bit more off ball, or maybe you run some ISO plays for him, but Cole at the shooting guard position, a little bit undersized, but that's what he does. He's a scorer. Gary Harris is going to be the shooter in, the, in that lineup. Joe Ingles as a backup four. So two shooters, two vets off the bench. And again, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Jonathan Isaac is my five right now. We didn't sign a, 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 guy that to me can win the starting, I'm sorry, the backup five position. But if Jai is healthy, he's got to play. So where do you play him? In my opinion, that is the backup five right now. Just because you're paying Engels and Harris a lot of money to be vets, to be shooters, they got to play. So in that scenario, to me, you have Jed Howard, Chuma Okiki, Mo Wagner, Caleb Houston, and Goga, not getting minutes, day one. Um, I saw on Twitter two people talking about us running with an eight to nine man rotation. I don't think so, man. With the talent that we have, we're going to have to go 10 deep, which to your point, some guys won't be happy because minutes are being, you know, uh, distributed between 10 players instead of nine or eight. So that to me is what I ideally would like to see. I like the flexibility between shooting, defense, um, young guys, vets, that that 10 man rotation presents. Um, but to your point, if in training camp, some of these guys show up and Jet Howard beats Kerry Harris, for whatever reason, you know, in both both sides, defensively and offensively, then give him the minutes. It is what it is. Or if Chuma comes out and simply balls out and looks better than Joe Ingles, hey, go do the right thing there. Um, but I think initially, that's what I would do. What are your thoughts on on that ten man rotation?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the tough part. I, honestly, even though we spent and <clears throat> we spent a lot of money on Joe Ingles, um, I can actually see us not playing him. Like he's getting paid. He's he's you know, a, a vet, vet, 35 plus years old. Um, He's not as young as he used to be. He does provide the veteran presence. He can shoot, but, you know, we're paying him a lot of money. If he doesn't play, I don't think, you know, from a competitive standpoint, I'm sure he wants to play, but if he doesn't play, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to rock the boat too much. Like I, I really don't, don't think that. Um, I think Jonathan Isaac, I, it would be hard for me to see him, as the, our second string center. Um, but who knows, man, maybe, maybe there's, there's a plan to kind of preserve him a little bit. And if we can do that at putting him at the five, then sure. Um, I, I see Mo Wagner playing. I do. I think he brings a dynamic that's a little, a little different than we have on the roster. I think the magic like seeing Mo Wagner and Franz Wagner on the court together. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, again, that's, that's, that's a, a different dynamic that we have. Um, you know, Coach Maltz, he got he's got his work cut out for him. There, there's a lot of players that can not play on this roster. Where we're deep in a sense, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you know our second string is is starting on any other team in in the East, but you know, there's there's definitely there's definitely talent out there.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll for sure take our backup unit, our our, our bench unit over Phoenix. That's for sure. <laughs> um, quick follow up question to you. So Jet Black, I'm sorry. I keep saying that. Anthony Jet Black. black. Jeff Black. Anthony in black, who to you is that, that point guard? We've seen plenty of people on, on social media talk about Black playing the backup three position because he is tall enough. He can play defense on any one of on the court. Where do you want to see Anthony Black play day one? You want to see him as a backup one? Or do you think he should be a wing player?
0: with with Anthony Black I you you got to put the ball in his hand he's he's got to be the playmaker that's that's what he's great at you know the his the the reason why he's brought on is because he has high q uh excuse me high iq he's a playmaker he's he's meant he's the type of player that makes people around him better and and what better way to do that than at the helm at the point guard position calling Anthony is such an offensive threat um that you know he's he would do well at this, the second at, at the second ball handler he would do it amazingly well and the fact that you know anthony black is a bigger guard you know they would balance each other out so i i think that anthony black and cole anthony the anthony tandem for a lot of reasons that i won't <laughs> get too deep into i think that they would be extremely successful um we need to come out with some type of nickname that that's gotta <laughs> it's gotta happen some something something on on the round the line of Anthony would be awesome. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I want to see how this plays out. Like I want to see how many minutes jet Howard is really going to play because that's, that's really my, my concern in in regards to minutes. I, but I do think that, you know, Joe Ingalls, if he doesn't get his minutes, I think, I think we're going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay. Um, And again, it's not, it's not going to rock the boat too much. Now, um carter underscore reimer um on instagram asks what are your expectations for anthony black
1: number one i think he plays day one uh we've seen some people say that maybe not he's gonna have to fight for his minutes and that he's gonna have to basically not play maybe much early on in the season man you're the sixth pick in the draft we gotta get you out there uh you do things on the court that we need and that is playmaking. that is play defense um, so I can see the value in him playing day one. I would like to see that happen. So, number one, he is going to play day one. Um, Other than that, I would just say be cautious with our expectations. I kind of compare him a little bit to Jalen Sucks. He was a great prospect in college. He showed a lot of great things in college. The shot's not quite there. He's athletic enough. Uh, he can play really, really good defense. So, defensively, I think he's ready to be an NBA player today offensively is what we need to be kind of patient. Like if he's scoring six points a night initially, five points a game, it's okay. That's going to come later on. What I want to see from him is that aggressiveness, the hustle, the rebounding, you know, grabbing 14 rebounds in Summer League. Do the same thing for us. Go go in a game and and grab double digits and rebound. Get five steals in one game. So kind of that Jalen Suggs role that he played as a rookie and sophomore where he was more of a defensive-minded guy, let the offense come to you. Um, that's my expectation for him. So very easy expectations. I don't think I expect much from him. Just help us win games. I think by doing those little things, he will do so.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I have no expectations for Jay Howard, no expectations for Anthony Black. To me, they're, they're bonuses. Like our, our main guys are going to be our main guys. And I think that whatever value that they're able to bring to the table, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a bonus for us. Do I think that Anthony Black has, has a Big like, do they have big plans for Anthony Black in our future? I believe, hundred percent, yes. The dynamic of being able to have a six foot seven point guard to play alongside Franz Wagner um, and Paolo Bancaro is is absolutely ridiculous. So as of right now, you know the the ball is in Markel Fultz's hand, but who knows what the future looks like? And we are prepared for that future, whatever it may be. Um, the expectation for Anthony Black um should be for him to get better every single day. He's not a project. I don't see him as a project. I think that he's able to provide value um right away. Don't expect for him to average, you know, 20, 25 points a game. Don't we got spoiled with that with Paulo Bancaro last season. We got spoiled. Don't expect that. Um but I do expect for him to lead in a way where we're gonna see better play from Cole Anthony. We're gonna see better play from You know, knock on wood, God willing, Jonathan Isaac, we're going to see all these players, um, our second unit drastically improve, because that's the reason why we brought him here. We brought him here to to be able to make people around him better. And I think that that should be the expectation. The expectation is, can he really hone in and focus and become better at the one thing that he's great at? And that's making other people better raising other people's ceiling. That's all we've heard about since we've drafted him. Um now is is time to really see that happen. All right. yeah Um this next one this next question comes from KG33 Magic. Who do you see having a breakout season? Bench players only
1: so if I go with my rotations, uh and Gary Harris is coming off the bench, I'm gonna say he is the one that's gonna have a breakout season for us. Um he is do some health, man. He's always been dealing with injuries in his time with the magic, somewhat with Denver as well. Um, if he can stay healthy in a, a smaller role, he's only playing 20 minutes a night, 25. Um, it's a contract year for him. Don't forget that. So he's, he's trying to get paid by us or by anyone the following off season or get traded to a good team in the uh, trade that line. So I think he's going to have a breakout season for us. And Another player to keep an eye on, if I can choose two for a second, it would be J.I. I think that what we saw from him in the limited games, only 11, right? It wasn't much. But man, I got to tell you, I get the ability to go to the games and, and just the, the energy that he brings, not only to our team, but to the fan base. I, I, I don't care what you think of him off the court, but when he is on the court, what he does, the little things, the steals, the blocks, the boxing out which seems like a skill that we just couldn't couldn't teach to Mo Bamba and to some of our big guys he's got that down so those little things that he brings to the table makes us a such a be- a much better team so I think that if he can stay healthy man he's gonna make a big impact on our team and have a, great, a really good season so to me those are two guys to keep an eye on Gary Harris and J.I. how about you?
0: Yeah, I think the Jonathan Isaac pick is, is interesting because the the big talk last season was, can Jonathan Isaac be the same Jonathan Isaac from before? He's been injured for so long. He hasn't played basketball in so long. You know, can, can he still be that same player? Well, damn it, man, we saw a little bit. It may, it may have been just 10, 11 minutes a game, but we saw enough to be like, oh, okay so yeah it's it's definitely there so it's not it's not talent it's not will it's not effort is can my man stay healthy and the great thing about this season is that there's no more um you know we're not preserving him anymore like there's not babying around jonathan isaac anymore is if you're healthy to play you're going to play. I'm not saying that. You know, I don't care what happens. You go out there and, p- and play 30 minutes. Like that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this is a season to really find out. You know, it's it's this is where we kind of put everything on the table. And now it's time to earn your contract. Um, if he can stay healthy, easily 100, percent not even close to is Jonathan Isaac. You know, from a breakout season, uh, if he if he can stay healthy, I I don't how 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 if if he can be what we saw last season on a consistent basis and shots are hitting, like I, I'm not I don't wanna I don't want to talk about, you know, adding him to the starting lineup because I don't even know what the hell that would look like. Um, but you would have to have that conversation at that point. You just would have to. Now you can easily kind of say, well, we want to take it easy with him, so he'll just continue to come off the bench. And I think he would be okay with that. I think Jonathan Isaac would be more than okay with that as long as he's able to stay healthy for a long period of time, because that's what he's proving. It's not talent doesn't need to be proved. You know, defensively, we know that he's still that guy. What he needs to prove is can he stay healthy? Um, but if we're kind of pushing Jonathan Isaac off to the side, I, I think it's got to be Cole Anthony. I think that if I'm Cole Anthony, I am pissed that we brought in another point guard. I'm going <laughs> to show you that I'm I'm nice. Like, you guys keep talking to me about, like, I can't be a – I'm not the starting point guard on on the NBA team. You keep saying that I'm six man. You keep saying this and that. All right, well, let me show you. I think that now we're we're going to start seeing a more veteran-like Cole Anthony. And I think that in terms of, you know, the second unit, the player that's going to break out, the ball is, is going to – a lot of that pressure is going to fall on Cole Anthony to produce for us offensively. It's just going to be that way. And I think that, you know, he's he's definitely someone to, to look at. Um, from a leadership standpoint, I, I think there's no debate that he is, he is easily the most vocal player that we have on our team. And if he's able to lead, you know, from the second unit, you know, I think that that, that element in itself is what will make the Orlando Magic so dangerous. If you can find a way to have your second unit perform just as well Or if not better than your first unit, you take Paolo Bancaro out the game, Franz Wagner out the game, and these are the guys that you're bringing in, and it's still causing havoc for the other team. That's what's going to allow for you to start winning games, and I think that that's Mm -hmm. the part that you know people are going to really, really feel excited about. When you start getting, when you start seeing your second unit come in, come in the game, and you're excited about those things, you know, it's it's really where you start seeing the level of your talent of your team really skyrocket.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot of cool storylines you know, with with our bench unit in particular. So to your point, Cole Anthony, he's in a contract year. He's due an extension. So he's going to be coming in hungry. Whether he gets paid or not, he's going to have to either prove that contract or earn that contract that he's going to be due the following offseason. J.I., don't forget, if he gets hurt again, we can pretty much cut him before January. I forgot the date, but it's in January sometime. He's only guaranteed 7 out of $19 million. And then after that, nothing is guaranteed. So In a way, his career is on the line this upcoming season. As crazy as that may sound, it is true. Um, And then Gary Harris, another guy that's a free agent at the end of the season. So he's also trying to get paid. So some guys that need to have a big, big season for us, ideally they all come off the bench and they all come hungry enough to, to your point, keep us at a high level playing when Paolo gets a break, Franz gets a break. It's going to be crucial. So that'll be fun to watch as the season plays out um, next year.
0: Yep. This next question comes from Twitter, Anthony Unwin. We asked, do you see the offensive sets changing much this season now that Paula Bancaro is established? we supposedly adding shooting, etc. So what do you think? Do you think that our offensive sets will now change um, year two for Paula Bancaro?
1: I don't think so. Um, Maybe to some degree, but I think that the way that Mostly like to play his offense, it's very fluid, it's very f- fast paced, a uh, motion offense. So there's not really a lot of like set plays being called for let's say Paulo in the corner isolation. You don't see that very much when we're flowing. Now, if we're struggling to score five possessions in a row, things like that, I can see where they say, Hey, Paulo, come on, we-, we need to go to the basket and get us some easy easy baskets here. Um, I do hope we see a lot more of Paulo and France picking roles where France has a ball in his hands. Coming off the pick, Paolo's cutting to the basket or popping for a three um, and vice versa, where Franz has the ball in his hands and Paulo's setting the pick. I think that that is a deadly combination for us, um, especially with some shooters around them where you can never really double team one or or collapse on them. So if you can put in a lineup of, I don't know, call Anthony, uh, Jet Howard, Gary Harris, and even uh, Wendell is okay, he can shoot it a little bit. But put shooters with that pick and roll situation that can be a really, really deadly uh, offensive tool that we really haven't really explored too much.
0: Paolo Bancaro is the face of the Orlando Magic. If you don't think that you know plays are going to be made for him specifically, you know these teams that these teams that will play us, they're they're going to be creating ways to stop to slow down Paolo Bancaro because if Paolo Bancaro is going, you know it's going to open up for everyone else. Um, but I think that you know there's there's a direction with what the Magic are trying to do. Paolo Bencaro, playmaker; Franz Wagner, playmaker; Anthony Black, playmaker; mm-hmm. Jay Howard, playmaker. You know the there there's there's uh an assumption that these players are being brought in because they're they're big, they're versatile, they're playmaking. There's high IQ basketball. There's going to be a lot of those motion sets, so there's going to be a lot of ball passing and and getting other people involved. And you know there they will be nice that you know they're. Paulo Bancaro is not going to have it going. Well, hello, hi Franz Wagner. You know, hi, hi Anthony Black, Cole Anthony. There's it's gonna, it's gonna be by committee. It's gonna be by team. Paulo Bancaro can, you know, he's gonna carry us statistically. That that will happen. I see him continuing to lead us offensively. Um, but best believe that, you know, other people are gonna eat also. So it's a, it's exciting, man. This this team, they can, they can go a lot of different directions. If there's one thing that the front office has has done and done well is that they said, "Here, Coach most this is your your full arsenal of ammunition. You decide what weapons you want to use to go to war because you have you know full inventory to to decide on." So that's that's the fun part.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big season for for uh, Coach Mosley. I know we we talk about the players a lot and, and the lineups that we have and the great talent that we have. Um, but this is a year three out of four for Coach Mosley, and it's a big year. I think we're expected to win for the first time since he's gotten here. Um, we made a major leap last last season. We won, you know, 14 more games the year before. Awesome. You gotta back it up now and, and and make another leap. I'm not saying 12 more games or 14 more games, but you gotta get close to 40, if not over 40, this season in order to stay safe in your job. Um, I like Mosley. I think he's gonna be here for years to come, but. Um, if by any chance you cannot make this young guys produce at a high level, it's going to be a, a tough summer for him too. So it's going to be, a, again, it's a big year for a lot of people in this team, which is going to help us, I think, perform better than everyone, everyone out there thinks.
0: And that's the thing. I, I feel like he will have the team perform because the team wants to perform for him. You know, we, we've talked about this in other episodes where, you know, there there's time and time after again, you know, our, our players are going on, you know, podcasts and they're, they're talking about, you know, how fortunate they are to have, you know, a coach like most. And they, they know that, you know, they, they can't take it for granted and they need a win. They need a win for him because they need to protect coach most at all costs. We heard Gary Harris, Markel Foles, they all talk this way. All the vets are talking this way. So it's, it's the hard part is, is done, which I think is, you know, getting the buy-in. Now that you have the buy-in, you got to take advantage. Now you have to produce and, the Magic have shown Coach Moles produced last season. It's not his fault that we didn't have a point guard for majority of the beginning of the season. true. You know, we we he finally was able to get the team going once Markel Fultz was brought back into the mix. We started winning basketball games. Now let's see what that looks like with a full healthy roster next season.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, I did want to address this one really quickly before we wrap up. Someone on Instagram, Chimmy737. I thought it was a really cool question because it made me think when I when I saw it. Really quickly, who do you see as our long-term shooting guard? Is it Jed Howard? Is it Jalen Suggs?
0: What um, do you think? Man. So from from an identity standpoint, it it would be awesome to have Jay Howard completely like go off and become, you know, that to, to kind of steal that spot just from, you know, and same with Anthony black to be able to have, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot 10, six foot 10, six foot 10. That's a big lineup that people don't want to deal with. And we, we saw his ability to create his own shot. We saw how swift he is with the basketball, you know, Jay Howard is, is someone that can really, really has a great shot of being a very, very good basketball player. Um, just, man, the way that we've seen Jalen Suggs defend the basketball at, at such an elite level, it, it almost gives you chills in a sense because, you know, it's it's fun. Like defensively, it's fun watching him just create havoc on the defensive end, just really like get into it and and get people flustered and and seeing these these key players not have a great basketball game because he got Jalen Suggs guarding him. I am looking forward to watching Jalen Suggs and Anthony Black play basketball together at some capacity to defend. You know, offensively, it might be a struggle. I'm really hoping that Jalen Suggs, you know, offensively, um, you know, we we see a jump this this season, but defensively, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Just imagine Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, you know, Anthony Black defensively. My goodness. Scary. Like that's that's we talk about death lineups. Like <sighs> Size wise, I, I get they wouldn't necessarily match up with the death lineup in that capacity, but defensively, man, if we need to stop, we have guys that we can go to. Like, who do you want to throw out there?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that that's that's the part that's that's fun. So long term, um, you know, I I, it, I find it very very hard for Jalen Suggs to lose it just because of how elite he is defensively, unless Jet Howard is is out there looking like Ray Allen. You know, that's the, that's the only other way that I would see, you know, Jalen Suggs kind of losing it.
1: I think it's going to depend a lot on, on Jalen Suggs' shot. How can he develop? He took a major jump last season. He he jumped, I think, 12, 13% in his three point percentage. So, major leap in, in one offseason. We know he's working hard this offseason on it as well. So, say he goes to 35, 36% three point percentage, that's massive. That's going to get you on the court simply because you can play really, really good defense. And now you're showing that you can shoot it as well. You have to be guarded out there. And the fact that he is so good and fast at getting to the hoop as well, you're, you're deadly. That's what we thought we were going to be getting Dude. as the a, a fifth pick in the draft a couple of years ago. Um, but to your point, Jed Howard, if he comes in and he's showing us, you know, I, I'm that guy that can shoot the ball and demands that attention and takes that uh, double team away from Paolo in front, you never know, but he's got to shoot. He's got to show it. I don't think it'll happen in his rookie season, but as he develops, you know, year two, year three into that guy and he can show, Hey, I can score easily 18, 20, just by being a threat from, from three point range. Think of it like a Tyler hero. Think of like a, you know, the type of player that just demands attention from three point range that gets you on the court as well. So the cool thing is we have like the two extremes. We have the really good defender, the potentially really good shooter, how how do you want to go about it? That's up to the coaching staff at that point. But I would love to see the competition happen because um, at 6'8", deadly shooter next to Paulo in France, that, that could be deadly too.
0: Yeah, Jay Howard is such a good shooter that every shot looks pretty, even if it doesn't go in, that it looks like it's going to go in. If he can make mm-hmm. every shot look like it's going to go in, you know, I already from a fan perspective, I'm all for it. Now this uh, this next question is from um, our guys, the Court Cousins. That said, how badly does Al want us to drive Bronny so that we get LeBron? And I I can tell you that it's it's pretty bad, man. I I don't know if you know, but I was an undercover diehard LeBron James fan.
1: I think we're running out of time, guys. It's uh, ten thirty-six p.m. here (laughs) already. So uh... I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, to to answer the question, I'm I'm all for the tank. We should tank and go get Bronny and get LeBron. Let's do it.
0: So what's the worst, what's the worst that can happen?
1: Yeah, can you, I, I would actually wouldn't mind that for one reason only. To make oh. LeBron complain in Orlando. Can you imagine that? After all the trash he's talked nah, about he's,
0: us. He's gonna, he's gonna retire. And didn't he say that he was gonna retire to Maui? Of course. Is that what he said? Did he say Maui?
1: The dude went from that? I'm gonna retire to now switching his jersey number to saying that we're lucky to watch him play next season. You know, just LeBron things.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. Just to kind of harp on it, just a moment when he announced officially um, that he he wasn't going to retire just yet at the ESPYS. In my mind, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a big surprise because we all thought that you were really going to retire. We believed it, man. This was this was it. We really thought that you're going to retire. What a what a blessing that you're you're not retiring. It's like, man, you know what I mean? Big, is, man. big, that, that, big that's... speech.
1: That's why, again, I, I, I respect him as a talent. He's, a, he's, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. I, I can't deny that. But the antics, man, the antics, unfortunately, take yeah. that from being the GOAT to being maybe the third or fourth best player that I've ever seen in my life. It's the antics. Like, again, you cannot lose and then just come out and say, I'm going to retire. Just so all the narrative goes from LeBron got swept to now, oh, my God, this is the last time we saw the greatest. But that's what he does, man. He, he's got a, a whole squad on his payroll on ESPN. To make sure that the debate continues, um realistically, if you if I mean I'm gonna ask you, do you really think there's a debate between MJ and LeBron?
0: Do I think there's a debate? Yeah, I think there's a debate because well, like, people uh, debate like, it all the time. They they, do, they right? talk about it. There's pre- I think to me there's there's preferences, right? Um I think there's there's a level of mentality that LeBron doesn't have. LeBron doesn't have a Kobe mentality, a Michael no. Jordan mentality, and I think that if you're from that era of basketball where you watched it, um, the new the new school they're <clears throat> they're gonna go they're gonna go and say it's is LeBron. They're, here here's the thing, right? And this is kind of this is kind of my thing right now, right? Is a lot of these young players, and we saw this in this draft. A lot of these young players, we've we've heard this numerous times where they would say <clears throat> that Paul George is their their favorite player or their their go. Not saying that he is the go, but he's their go. Like they're, they're talking about Paul George. Like if you're coming from that era of Michael Jordan, nobody is saying that about another Mm -hmm. player. And the biggest debate that I've heard um, is, you know, how, how can LeBron James be the most dominant player or be the greatest of all time when during his tenure, he was even the best player you know, kind of talking about Steph Curry, and that, and that was a debate that you know I've I've heard numerous times that made me think, like, you know, you're you're right, you're it's, you're one hundred percent right.
1: It's not even so. that. It's, it's just been a, a few dudes, right? So You got Kobe for a while, like you you when he was really young. Is Kobe better or is LeBron better? Kobe at the time was better. Then you transition, and then you got again the KD Steph era. Like it's debatable. Then Giannis came up aboard, and you talk about Giannis. Is he the, the best? So it's like you, you've had this career, but there's always been dudes that have been really close to you and to your point, and Steph, to change the game and during your timeline. On top of that, he beat you a bunch of times in the finals. Oh, better team, whatever. He beat you in the finals. So it's like, you. you I don't know, it's tough. MJ, I, I was yeah. growing up, I was very young, but when MJ was playing, man. There was no debate. Like this dude was getting to the playoffs. They were winning it all. He was averaging 30 plus a night. Like, it was a different type of dominance on the game. Like he was that guy. Um,
0: yeah, but I, I also believe that people, people won't appreciate LeBron James as much until after he retires. Yeah. And once he retires, I think people will appreciate him a lot more. I don't want to go on a rant of, of us hating on LeBron James because it's really Damn, easy bro. to do that thing. I think, I think, I think you so we much. do a whole entire episode <laughs> on just bashing LeBron James, but you know, he, he will go down as one of the greatest to ever do it. Um and there's always going to be a debate on who who is better. But if you talk to this new generation, they're they're all putting their hats for Paul George. Um so, anyways, what's what's next? feeble World Cup is next. Paulo will be representing the United States, which is gonna be awesome to watch. I need to get me a Palo paul Bancaro team USA jersey ASAP. Yes. Um you got Franz and Mo Wagner representing Germany, Goga representing Georgia, Joe Ingles representing the so a lot of magic representation still happening um, during the off offseason uh, with this international play. So a lot of things to be excited for. October 2nd will be media day. October 3rd to the 7th will be training camp. And October 10th um, through the 20th will be NBA preseason. And we're right back at it, man, right back to the grind of the NBA season. Off season feels like it's kind of dragging a little bit now that everything's kind of settling down, but hopefully this, um, you know, international FIBA world cup kind of holds us down until that time is here. So anyways, on that note, it's a wrap. I appreciate everyone for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. For all the latest magic news and updates, visit OrlandoMagicHQ.com and follow us on Instagram at OrlandoMagicHQ and on Twitter at OMagicHQ. Also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite listening platform.